Welcome. I'm Richard Prosh, and this is another edition of Six Gun Justice Conversations. During these Wednesday visits, my co-host, Paul Bishop, or I get to hang out around the virtual Six Gun Justice podcast campfire and spend some time talking with friends who work in the Western genre. With me for this edition is award-winning writer of fiction and nonfiction, Bill Markley. History, especially American history, and travel have fascinated Bill Markley since he was a boy growing up on the family farm in Pennsylvania. Moving to Pierce, South Dakota in 1976 to work for the State Department of Environment and Natural Resources was a natural fit for Markley, where he immersed himself in local history and participated in Civil War and Western Frontier reenacting. Markley has been in films such as Dances with Wolves, Son of the Morning Star, Far and Away, Gettysburg, and Crazy Horse. He worked in Antarctica, traveled the South Pacific, kayaked and backpacked in Alaska, chaperoned a Boy Scout troop to Japan, and has camped, hiked, and rode horseback through the West. He writes for South Dakota Magazine, Roundup, True West, and Wild West. Markley and his wife, Liz, live in Pier, where they raised two children. A longtime member of Western Writers of America, Bill's recent book, Billy the Kid and Jesse James, Outlaws of the Legendary West, is the second in the Legendary West series. His website is at www.billmarkley.com. Thanks for reining in at the campfire under the stars for some informal conversation. Thanks, Rich. Thanks for your invitation. I'm going to jump right in with your Legendary West series. Jesse James and Billy the Kid is the second in your series after Wyatt Earp and Bat Masterson, lawmen of the Legendary West. And with Geronimo and Sitting Bull, leaders of the Legendary West, being the third, having been released back in May. With so many characters to choose from, how do you decide who to write about? In the beginning, it was easy. I was approached by Aaron Turner, who's the acquisitions publisher for uh, Two Dot Publishing, and uh, they asked me to write the Legendary West series. And so they gave me who they wanted me to write about for the first two books. So the, they first wanted Wyatt Earp and Bat Masterson, and then they wanted the opposite of them, Billy the Kid and Jesse James. And then after that, I, they gave me the leeway to pick who I wanted to continue on with the series. And so the next, you know, that I picked then was Geronimo and Sitting Bull. Fantastic. Yeah, it's like one of those crazy deals where, I mean, they actually, I, I didn't have to pitch anything. They came to me on that. So um, I, I was honored to do it. <laughs> had they seen some of your work, I, I suppose, in some of the magazines and and uh, said, hey, this is the guy? And they, they approached me at one of the, the Western Writers of America conventions and uh, asked me to do it. And I, I said, well, let me think about it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's a that's a great plug for the conventions. You know, I, I tell people when they ask if they should go to the WWA conventions and, you know, young, young writers, I always say yes. because Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, I would not be where I'm at today if it was not for Western Writers of America. And the next convention will be June of next year in Great Falls, Montana. Beautiful country. Yep. South Dakota is a beautiful country, too. Um, and uh, the, the people you have written about had some roots in South Dakota. Yeah, especially um, Sitting Bull. I mean, he was there were several locations where uh, they believe he was born, but they, they were uh, in South Dakota here. And, uh, of course, most everyone knows that we have the Black Hills, which are very beautiful. And then we have uh, the Plains and the Missouri River bisecting the state. And uh, South Dakota's nickname is the land of infinite variety. So um, you can find just about any type of landform here that you'd like to look at. 
It really is. It's, it's beautiful up there. Both Wyatt and Bat and Billy and Jesse were 2020 Will Rogers Medallion Award finalists for nonfiction. So that's quite an honor. Yes, yes. Thank you. Um, yeah, it was. It was a great honor to uh, have them recognized by the, the, the Will Rogers Medallion Award people. And uh, that's pretty cool. You know, one of the things that I think is unique for our listeners about these books, I've got Jesse and uh, and Billy the Kid in front of me right now. And, you know, you might think, well, Jesse James or Billy the Kid, what more is there to uh, to say about these guys that, that a million articles haven't already said? And I think that the thing I found really interesting and, and fascinating was how you kind of interspace the chapters. You know, you have a, 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 their beginnings and, and their careers and then their their ultimate demise and or fate. And and you, you know, you have a, a Jesse James chapter, a Billy the Kid chapter, Jesse the Jesse James, Billy the Kid. It kind of goes back and forth. So if you read the book straight through, you really get to compare and contrast the the characters. And I that is very enlightening, I think. Yeah. Th- thank you. Yeah. And um I think it really brings it home for the reader. Uh, you know, what was going on throughout the country at the time? Again, both, you know, Billy and Jesse were criminals. And, um, you know, as I, I've said, Billy the Kid was kind of like a shooting star in the, in the night sky, where Jesse James is more like a comet streaking across. But, you know, their, their careers uh, were different. They're both criminals and they did different type of criminal activities, if you will. I mean, you know, Billy the Kid was, you know, if you think about it, really pretty much of just a small time horse and cattle thief. And Jesse James was robbing banks and trains, uh, you know, the tra- locomotives, the most powerful engine at the time. He was out there tackling those. So uh, I think it contrasts those types of activities. And, and the same with, uh, you know, Bat and Wyatt, where, um, you know, but one of the things with them was they were, they were pretty close friends. So, um, you know, they'd be apart and then they'd come together. And, and I would show that throughout the book where, what were they doing when they were apart? What were they doing when they were together? And then the third in the series, uh, Geronimo and Sitting Bull, two Native American cultures that were extremely different from each other as they were different from the, the American culture advancing into their territory. So that was, that that one's probably the most complex one for me to put together. Yeah, I can imagine. So of these six people you researched, who surprised you the most? Bat Masterson really surprised me. I and I learned to really like him. Uh he was he just he was a fun loving guy. He he enjoyed a, a good practical joke. One one story I'll tell you real quick, uh that that Wyatt Earp told about Bat. Maybe a lot of people don't know about Bat Masterson, but in later years, I think for 20 years, he worked in New York City as a sports writer. And um, when he was in town there, there was a, one of his friends from his buffalo hunting days came by. The guy was collecting uh, memorabilia from the Old West, especially firearms. And he wanted one of Bat's guns. And Bat you know, kept blowing the guy off. He didn't, he didn't want to give him one of his guns. And the guy was real, really pestering him. So he went down to a pawn shop bought an old pistol, brought it back up up to his office. Most people at the time believed that Bat um, had killed 22 men. In actuality, he might have killed two or three. But he ne- he was never one to play down his reputation. He just kind of let it ride because he one time he said, well, it doesn't really hurt anybody uh, for people <laughs> to say that. <laughs> so this friend of his uh, comes in. Before he comes in, uh, Bat 
takes out his penknife and he, and he cuts uh, 22 notches on the butt of his pistol in the grips. And when the guy comes in, he's got the pistol laying on, on the desk. And Bad said, well, you can have the pistol. And, and this guy picks it up and uh, looks at the grips. And he's got, he sees 22 marks on the grips. And, and he says, wow, 22? And not saying 22 what? And Bad said, yep, 22. <laughs> and the guy <laughs> left. And uh, he wrote a book called Hands Up. And his name right now. But in his book, he said, I know Bat Masterson killed 22 men. Because I've got his pistol and there's 22 marks on 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 the butt of it. <laughs> so, uh, uh, one of the many uh, Batman's some practical jokes. You know, the legendary West series explores that fuzzy line that we were just talking about between myth and reality, and that's something that you gave full attention to in a book that was co-authored with Cullen Cutsforth. So, can you please tell us about Old West Showdown? Two authors wrangle over the truth about the mythic Old West. What was that all about? Sure. And uh, before I get into that, just, just to go back to the Legendary West series. When, and I do tell some of the stories that were probably just legends or, or embellished, but I always let the reader know that they were either legends or embellished because um, people need to know, you know, what's real and what's not. So, um, so leading into our book, Old West Showdown, how that came about, Chris Entz, she's president of the Western Writers of America. She and I were giving some lectures in Nebraska, and we were driving across the plains of Nebraska. And uh, we had several hours to kill until our next town. And we uh, we got on the arguing about Cattle Kate, who was one of the, um, I think maybe the only one who was ha- hanged in uh, Wyoming. And she was hanged because uh, they claimed she was cattle rustler. Chris and I argued back and forth. I said she was not a cattle rustler. All they wanted was access to the water on her place. And she said, no, she was a rustler. And we went back and forth and back and forth. And then finally, uh, the, the light bulb came on in our over our heads. And we, we thought, hey, wouldn't that be great, a great idea for a book where you take controversial stories from the Old West one author tells one side of the story and the other author tells the other side of the story. So we pitched the idea to Two Dot and they liked the idea, but Chris had one too many uh, irons in the fire at the time, one too many books to write, couldn't do it. And so Kellen Cutsforth uh, stepped up to the plate and uh, was my co-author for um, Old West Showdown. So in that book, we take, Kellen and I take 10 controversial stories from the Old West each chapter is divided into three parts. First, we tell the facts as most everybody uh, believes they, they happened. And then I tell one side of the story and Kellen tells the other side. So, for instance, uh, the gunfight back behind the OK Corral, <laughs> Kellen takes the Europe side and I take Plant McLowry's side. Uh, another chapter is, is Custer at the Little, little Bighorn. Uh, did he make some bonehead moves? Or was Reno drunk and Benteen disobeying orders? The James Younger gang robbery of Northfield Bank in Minnesota. You know, was it a crime of opportunity or was it a targeted hit? And so we just go back and forth on 10 controversial stories that way. And I guess uh, that one also received a, a Will Rogers Medallion Award. And it's done quite well. So Dot asked us to write a sequel to it. And so we did. And that's coming out in October. 
That one's called Standoff at High Noon. And we take 10 more controversial stories, uh, such as uh, how did Davy Crockett die at the Alamo? Did Jesse James fake his own death? Uh, did Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid really die in Bolivia? And a lot more. Oh, that's some fascinating stuff. I, I love those uh, those stories, you know, especially the uh, the questions as to how people met their fate. That's often, often, even today, I guess, we still do that with rock stars or or whatever. We still wonder. And uh, so back then, especially when we didn't have the media, that's a great, uh, great bunch of stuff to explore. It's definitely been uh, entertaining and eye-opening. So your novel, Deadwood Dead Men, picked up some recognition as well, was a Peacemaker Award finalist. Uh, we've talked about a lot of nonfiction. Where does fiction enter into your writing, which is predominantly historical work? Is it something that you enjoy, that you would do again? Yeah, it, it's interesting. I, uh, As you've said, I've always written nonfiction. And uh, when you uh, dig in, in in depth into newspapers and journals and that sort of thing, once in a while, there's always a, you know, a missing link out there that you just can't find that one little piece of information uh, that would make it a complete story or really tell why people were acting the way they did. Right after Wild Bill Hickok was shot in Deadwood, there was a, a misunderstanding a, and a guy got killed by the name of Bummer Dan by Harry Young, who was a bartender in Saloon Number 10. Harry Young thought he was killing a guy named Laughing Sam. And uh, Laughing Sam and, and Bummer Dan, all these names, uh, were, were partners. But it never it never said why there was really a feud between Harry Young and Laughing Sam. And, uh, of course, the paper speculated maybe it was over a woman. I mean, one night I just started toying with that whole story of, of the, the murder of Bummer Dan. And uh, one thing led into another. I, I kind of just... I fictionalized it and I showed it to um, an editor at the time. He said, I like this, go ahead and, and write it. And so um, I went ahead and uh, he liked it and published it. And uh, that became Dead with Deadman, which takes place a week after Wild Bill Hickok was assassinated in Deadwood. And there was a string of murders that happened a couple weeks later, Preacher Smith and Bummer Dan a couple of Mexican fellows. And um, and so I string that all together into a, an Old West whodunit murder mystery leading back to um, the, the killing of uh, Wild Bill Hickok because there was always people who believed that uh, the criminal element in town had paid Jack McCall to, to kill Hickok. So I kind of pick up on that story. So it was fun to do. It was really fun to do. It was liberating. <laughs> Because um, there, there's always um, several versions of how stories happen. And so with with a historical novel, you can pick the story that you like best and run with it. So I'm guessing you were interested in history growing up. Was that always was that always your, your top subject? As you mentioned, I, I grew up in uh, southeastern Pennsylvania near Valley Forge on a farm and um and not too far away, uh, you know, 60, 70 miles to the west is Gettysburg. And so um, I I grew up around Valley Forge, and I, there's a lot of history throughout that area. And uh, my parents had always loved the west. In fact, my dad, as a kid, he worked on a ranch in Colorado and came back in love with the west. And uh, we raised quarter horses on our farm. So um, I got a dose of um, 
local Revolutionary War, Civil War history, and Western history all rolled up together as I grew up. That's a great way to grow up. So you've, along those lines, you've been a historic reenactor, appearing in various uh, live events, but also appearing in the film Dances with Wolves. Can you share a little bit about that aspect of your life and how that might inform your writing? Yeah, I was I was fortunate to be um, invited to participate in in Dances with Wolves. Uh, a good friend of mine, uh, Lutheran pastor, he belonged to a reenacting group in uh, Nebraska, and they were invited to be in the opening scenes of Dances with Wolves. Well, a couple of them couldn't make it, and he asked me if I wanted to, you know fill in, uh, and I jumped at the chance. And uh, one thing led to another, and I bought my own musket and accoutrements, and next thing you know, I'm I'm uh, reenacting. You know, full time and uh, just loved civil war reenacting and, and uh, frontier cavalry reenacting. I think it gives you as a writer, it gives you a little bit better feel for, um, you know, what people were going through. Maybe, you know, for instance, just how did the, the clothing they wore at the time? How did it feel? How did it smell? Uh, what's the weight of a musket? What are the weights of the accoutrements? What's it feel like to fire a handgun or a musket uh, from that time period? And then just, uh, you know, hanging out with like-minded people that love history and and reenacting and being outdoors, you know, sitting around the campfire at night and swapping tall tales. And and so I think it it adds a little bit to the writing um, that you can, you know, experience these things. Of course, you can never, I don't think I'd want to totally reconnect with (laughs) the way things happened at the time. I, I think if I lived in the Old West, I'd probably last about a half a minute. (laughs) <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, I was blown away by your uh, your adventurous travel that's been listed in your bio. You you literally are a world traveler. You've been a lot of places. Just just chaperoning a Boy Scout troop across the street would probably be too much for me. So to take them to Japan, what's what's your best travel advice, and what's your favorite parts of the world? I think our, our, our time when this earth is limited. And our ability to get around is limited, as I'm starting to find out as I grow older. I would say, you know, pick those spots that you've always wanted to visit and go. I mean, get out there and go. And I I mean, for me, I don't big cities or anything like that. I like to be in the country and in wilderness if possible. Um, you know, I, I love remote places. As you mentioned, I've been to Antarctica. I went down there as part of uh National Science Foundation sent down my, one of my professors, and uh, I went to college at Virginia Tech, and um, there was a field team down there, and I, I went down twice in a row on, on a Virginia Tech field team to a place called the Dry Valleys, where the glaciers had retreated, and uh, no pun intended, but it was a very cool place. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I would go back in a heartbeat, that's for sure. So what's next for Bill Markley? As I mentioned, or Kellen and Cuts forth in my book, Standoff at High Noon is uh, is being released by Two Dot in October. And then I've got a um, Wild West magazine is uh, doing a feature article I wrote on comparing Billy the Kid and Jesse James in their December issue. And then uh, the fourth in the Legendary West series is on Wild Bill Hickok and Buffalo Bill Cody. Uh, Plainsman of the Legendary West, and that will be released May 2022. Oh, that'll be that'll be a good one. Yeah, it was fun to do. I, actually, of, of the four that I've done, I think I enjoyed this one a lot, uh, very much. And I think there's going to be a lot of you know people think of you know Hickok as 
pretty much a you know lawman gambler maybe even uh, drinking a little bit too much <laughs> but he was also an army scout and did an awful lot of scouting and and he was uh noted for that and uh the same with Cody although Cody liked to embellish his stories a little bit so it's it's hard to well and Hickok liked to tell a tall tale too so it was kind of tough you know trying to weed out reality from tall tales and uh so that was fun to do I'd like to wrap up our conversation, Bill, by again pointing listeners to your website, www.billmarkley.com, billmarkley.com. And also remind them to check out your work as it appears in South Dakota, True West, Wild West, and Roundup Magazine. Thanks for being here today, Bill. Yeah, thank you very much. It was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it, Rich. And thanks to you for listening. Paul and I appreciate your support of our Six Gun Justice podcast and hope you continue to enjoy each and every episode. As always, a hearty thank you to our sponsors, Wolfpack Publishing, author Chris Enns, and the Western Writers of America for making this podcast possible. Be sure to check our website, www.sixgunjustice.com, for links to previous podcast episodes, speed listens, and prior conversations, along with reviews, interviews, and articles from the Western genre. Till next time, keep the sun at your back and a good horse at hand. Let's ride.